Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Celestia on Air Deciphering STEM the official podcast of said Celestia which is the astronomy astrophysics and space tech club of Bitcoa we are your hosts Pratik Mukumaran and today we have Pranav Sharma with us Pranav is an astronomer and a communicator of science He is the founder of Yashpal Center for Science and Technology as well as the curator of the Space Museum at BM Birla Space Center Hyderabad India. It's a pleasure to have you with us sir. Thank you Pratik. So in today's session it's going to be about you and your journey throughout the field of astrophysics. And so let's just dive into the questions that we have for today. Yeah, please. Many people with an interest and good knowledge base in astronomy and astrophysics contribute directly to the research. But when you analyze the general understanding about this subject, it's mostly limited to the names of planets, etc., among the people, right? And sometimes people even end up confusing astrology and stuff like that with astronomy. So research papers, despite being very informative. aren't a good way of conveying knowledge to the general masses however through museums and science centers you directly reach out to the people and educate them so my question to you is what fueled you to undertake such noble ventures at such a young age you know apart from your contributions in the research world what is the use of science if we you know we're not able to make our fellows understand so i think i, I think i would fairly uh, uh give the credit to the mentors that i have had i've had um, as a child uh, be it yashpal be it biman basu ratnashree or or uh, uh, you know other people that i uh, interacted with i met with uh they were they were nice influences actually so i i saw these great scientists who were doing good work uh in their research areas but at the same time they were making people understand science and i think that uh is also the is also very fundamental to the indian nationhood uh, if you look at we have enshrined the necessity of a scientific temper the inquiry um the the ideas of reform in our constitution our country was imagined as a scientific country so i think uh, that is where um, i think i began uh, teaching science i mean it's truly great that you chose to educate people like us who are also interested rather than only contributing to research so now uh, no i mean it's uh, like us I, who are interesting it's not education you know it is interaction it's 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 very interesting interaction and i trust me when i say this you people uh, would know much more uh, than i do and uh, you 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 would have better understanding because the kind of uh, uh, background that i have the kind of times that i grew up in and the kind of tools that i had were different than yours and you i mean we got to know uh, about data and uh, data dialogues uh, as i usually jokingly say 
for that's the term that I use for algorithms. So <laughs> we we got to know it much later, and I think you guys were doing it in school. So you were like far more uh, competent. And uh, uh, there's certainly a generational gap. I mean, there's no denying that. I just hope that we can make use of the use of it, and you know, develop it further. Well, so, I have uh, let's yeah. So let's dive into a rather interesting topic. What yeah. are your thoughts on the birth and death in the universe? Oh, that's interesting. Um, birth and death um, are the essential elements of the universe. They are the necessary conditions. Uh, let's look at uh, you know. Let's let's look at it a little philosophical. For me and you to to have this conversation, first you have to exist. Then the environment has to exist for you to exist. For the environment, the for the environment, the cities have to exist. The generations, the past generations, have to exist. Then the planet has to exist. The solar system has to exist. So this this existence cycle goes back to the fundamental uh, fact that something has to be born for us to have a discussion uh, on its birth. The origin has to happen. So origin is a necessary condition, right? I mean, we're having a conversation. Like, don't, uh, uh, please feel free to interrupt me or correct me if yeah. I go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so birth becomes a necessary condition. Now that birth happens, the cycle has to complete. Why the cycle has to complete? Any any ideas? Uh, Pratik, you can unmute your mic. We can have a discussion here. Yeah. So, not so I'm ask good questions. So when I was, uh, I used to, uh, you know, teach a few classes back in the day in Hyderabad. So my classes used to look like a lot of questions. So, True. so I, <laughs> so yeah. today I think uh, we are going to do the same exercise. But my my on on a very serious note, my question is, uh, if 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 birth becomes a necessary condition, then why death has to exist in the universe? Be it material, be it non-material. Uh, so that the total energy in the universe remains constant. Like, if energy right. is created, it has to be destroyed. Yes, yes, that is one way of looking at it. What else? What else can we think? Um, look at it this way. Um, what is the law of entropy? Entropy in the universe is constantly increasing. Absolutely right. And what does that mean? So everything moves towards disorder. And mm -hmm. being born is a sort of order, I guess, and to, it has to end at some point and go back to no, being that's fine. I mean, We're looking at closed cosmological model, of course. But uh, we come just come back to entropy. Uh, when we say that uh, the entropy in the universe is increasing, what does it mean? the disorder and the randomness is increasing yes and what does it lead to 
more chaos expansion exactly exactly so if you have if you have a consolidated structure it would end up in a dissipated structure or a known structure right so if you mark birth as the creation of the structure then the universe necessitates itself a, a condition wherein the structure gets destroyed so if you look at uh, it in, in in a way of uh, say we use uh, structure as a motive then you see the creation of a structure is birth in the universe be it a star be it a planet be it a planetoid be it a planet as we it a galaxy or any large scale structure formation and when you see these structures dissipating when you see these structures become non structures then the death happens for example uh, the creation of star is uh, basically gravitational collapse of the uh, of of matter you know uh, the the at the you know the interstellar medium the gas um, the molecular clouds and and they they come together they they form a colloid and then they then there is a gravitational collapse when collapse happens the heat increases there's a nuclear fusion which starts it starts uh, spinning about its own axis it 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 starts clearing the disk in which it's it's formed it creates uh, you know a star system by itself then it exists in in a certain area in the universe you know the birth of a star and when that start and and then so this this creation of system a creation of structure uh becomes the birth of the star or the birth of the solar system and when you see that star you know the the envelope starts increasing there's a, there's an internal pressure then the star expands for example we look at say a, you know a typical main sequence star or a normal star that we see in the universe then what you see is you 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 see that it 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 expands uh and then perhaps it explodes uh into a non structure which is different from the previous structure so you call that a death of star and then you have you know the remnants the remnants can be uh you know the neutron stars the dwarfs the black holes there are the remnants so remnants are basically different structures than you have previously or a non structure or a non structure i mean you can you can call it a nebula it's still a structure but uh, a non structure in comparison to uh the star the star structure that you had previously am i making sense yes sir uh, actually we just had a session about the birth and death of stars yesterday so this is like a really good refresh <laughs> yeah i, I think was... uh, i thought yeah. i look at birth and death of the universe in terms of structures and that also uh, helps me understand uh, the universe a little better uh, if not smarter but yes uh, certainly a little better in a sense that uh, i look at uh, these structures as motifs and i see how these motifs evolve eventually for example when you look at the birth of the universe you have uh, you know a really hot dense plasma and then you have the creation of the first stars the first stars uh, they form a system then they form the first galaxies the first galaxies form first 
galactic structures, then the, the black holes are formed eventually. And then you see these black holes evolving in the disk of the galactic structure. They, they're assimilating at the center of, of the galaxy, forming you know, something like something of uh, the order of 10 to the power 7 to you know, much larger uh, solar masses uh, called the supermassive black hole. So all of that is structure evolution. And then you see uh, the, the devolution of these structures when you see the death of stars, for example, in, in the same plane wherein a star is being born, a star, you know, collapses or, you know, there's no ignition. So there's uh, a deformed star called the brown dwarf or they, 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 they collapse further and they go into that trap of collapsing and they form what we call a, a black hole. So it's also a structure evolution. So uh, speaking of black holes, your major area of study includes black hole binaries. Now, what got yeah. you interested in them and how did you pick that up as your field of study? That's a very interesting story, you know. That's a really, really interesting story. Um, uh, so I met uh, my uh, professor and collaborator, uh, I mean, um, uh, Shantanu Basu, at a FIKI higher education meeting in 2012 in New Delhi. Uh, how we became friends, that's a very interesting story. Uh, we were looking for an auto for him to reach uh, uh, CR Park. And we were walking on Lodi Road and talking about his research. Because I had read his work on brown dwarfs. I was in college that time. So uh, then we kept in, uh, in touch. I got a position with him in 2015. I went to London, Ontario to work with him. First day. I reach um, and I quote what Shantanu said. He said, um, and I had no first-hand experience in research. I mean, I've been, I had been reading a lot, but if you look at the, you know, uh, formal research background, mm, I didn't have it. So, I, uh, I mean, after the first group, I asked, what do you want me to look into? He says, you know, think of yourself as an explorer in a library. So you are in a library, you are looking for one statement, which is beautiful. That makes sense, very poetic. Doesn't sound like very scientific, but I think I can do with that. So, uh, so the, I, the what I was working on uh, on that time was something called a hot Jupiter problem. So uh, a hot Jupiter problem is basically you, you see these, uh, so uh, when the star is formed, uh, you see gaseous planets form uh, at a certain distance. So in, the, in closer in the disk, uh, you have the terrestrial planets and farther in the disk, you have gaseous planets. Uh, and what you see uh, in, in certain star systems is these Jupiter-sized planets uh, in orbits uh, very close to the star. For example, imagine uh, you have a star structure. We have two to three Jupiter-like planets in the orbits of, say, Mercury, Earth, and Jupiter. We're working on that. So there's something called a Lido-Cosi mechanism by which 
they 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 get into a certain orbit uh which is i mean you you've read it already i mean it's a technical name for it it's it's classic three body problem it's 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 a very uh, newtonian three body problem so i mean uh, then we had this meeting uh uh, uh and then uh, from in, in the meeting shantanu uh says uh, you know what if uh, and shantanu has this brilliant uh uh way of investigating uh, astronomy so he he uh, he likes to think out loud and um, and his students also think out loud with him so he is just sitting in this chair uh, sipping coffee and says hmm uh, what if we uh, replace these uh, uh, jupiters hot jupiters and say that the star uh, is is a supermassive black hole and these hot jupiters are uh, stellar mass black holes and this is uh, mind you happening uh before the gravitational waves were confirmed so there was a huge uh, uh excitement about black holes because these are the things that actually cause uh gravitational waves then there was um, our colleague um, who believed that the gravitational waves don't exist uh and he was working uh let me see Daniel Kahneman yeah he wrote a book which was something of a phenomena uh in 2015 uh it's called traveling at the speed of thought a uh, very interesting book and daniel used to be uh, a collaborator of a friend and they say that einstein miscalculated and gravitational waves don't exist so uh so we had a, a very interesting academic uh uh i would not call it a fight but i would certainly call it a dialogue uh which led to some very interestingly heated arguments and a game of ping pong uh, <laughs> uh so um then uh, we started working on black hole binaries and i did uh, a huge report on it uh, as a part of my work uh, at western and i came back i worked uh, a lot on it and then we started working me and shantanu we started working on a book so you will see that there's a decent mention uh, of this in the stellar remnants chapter of book that uh fortunately is coming out this year uh in september i suppose it's being published by crc so uh and the the other reason why i got uh, interested in black hole binaries is these are um, very rare also extremely violent uh, events in the universe and the signatures are you know brilliant and they exist in different spectrums for example you will have uh, gravitational waves coming out of either you know if it, if a black hole gets a slingshot and gets out of the system you you'll see something uh, you'll have uh, 
high energy signatures at the same time as well. So very beautiful phenomena uh, in the universe. And uh, I'm letting uh, uh, a secret out if you're interested. Um, it was very cool also, you know. It's a nice icebreaker. So what do you study, Pranav? Uh, well, I study black holes. And uh, <laughs> there you have something. Yeah. So, you know, in fact, black holes are so complicated. And when LIGO detected the first, gra confirmed the first gravitational waves to be precise in somewhere around late 2015, there was a huge buzz about, uh, you know, black holes, and which was again revived in 2019. It was September 20. They confirmed it in 2016. Um, I remember it because we were in Delhi. We had a meeting uh, in India mm -hmm. on astronomy. Um, and this friend of ours who did not believe in gravitational waves was there. And we took him out for to celebrate it. That must have been fun. If I'm not wrong, it should be... I think the 13th or the 14th of February, 2016. Yeah, yeah we do these things, you know. <laughs> yeah, vindication. So, and uh, as you mentioned uh, that you were working on a book, uh, which is an interesting fact. So, Pranav is currently working on a book called Into the World of Neutrinos, which is in preparation as we speak. So I'd like to ask you, is there anything specific that you'd like to mention about it? And what should a reader expect from it? Oh, um, uh, Into the Universe, uh, Into the World of um, Neutrinos is, uh, is another very interesting book. So when I, I finished working uh, uh, with this book, uh, it's a textbook on astronomy that me and Shantanu wrote. Uh, it is very wide. But at the same time, in 2019, I got an opportunity to work with Professor Takaki Kajita, uh, who uh, discovered the atmospheric neutrinos. He was awarded the Nobel Prize for it uh, in 2015. And uh, I had a nice uh, uh, visiting fellowship at uh, the Institute of Cosmic Air Research in Japan. We interacted a lot. So he wrote a book on neutrinos in Japanese. So this book basically started as a project to translate his Japanese work into English. And, and mind you, I don't know Japanese. So I asked a friend to actually get a translated work done. So I got a translated work. And I had uh, uh, previously read Frank Close's uh, book on neutrinos. And you know, much earlier work also something uh, that all happened here in India in TIFR. So I thought, you know, just cannot be Professor Kajita's books translation. It needs to be a different character. So we had a discussion. So I started adding uh, some very interesting uh, structures to the book. So what you would see eventually in, in that book uh, is uh, a lot of history of science, uh, the, the history of discovery of neutrinos, you will see a character sketch of Pauli uh, as a stalwart figure, but also I'm very insecure about his results and his ideas. And at the same time, you will see uh, the, the development of uh, uh, different 
experiments, different ideas. Uh, so it's a very uh, interesting uh, uh, amalgamation, if I may say so, uh, of uh, uh, theoretical physics, experimental physics, uh, history of physics, and uh, the history of ideas itself. And I'm extremely glad that I got an opportunity to you know, write a book uh, with Professor Kajita. And I think it's, uh, I think it is uh, one of the highlights of my career. Well, um, I'm sure we can't wait for this book to be here. Um, I'm sure we're we're also going to learn a lot from it once we read it. So. Um, we got to know that you had plans regarding four science museums in Odisha, Maharashtra, and in Telangana as well. We'd like to know what the current prog progress of those are. Uh, uh, so, um, Odisha, uh, it's it's in plan. It's uh, going slow, but I'm sure that it will happen. Uh, Telangana, we are planning to do a museum of future. Uh, for which uh, we had a very strong interest uh, from the central government and uh, from the cultural secretary himself, which is good. Uh, Mr. Prashant Lahuti is the in charge of the project. So we are planning to make a good museum future in Hyderabad. Um, also in, in Ratnagiri, the museum, uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a science museum, but it would be curated uh, in a very different, uh, with a very different idea. Where instead of uh, uh, focusing on on the facts uh, in Ratnagiri, we are focusing on the narrative. Uh, so it is a nice experiment, and it is it it will also have uh, a lot of poets actually writing prose works on science, which would be used as display uh, a material and uh, you know, explanatory notes to different things. I mean, I personally love science museums so much. It used to be my favorite field trip in school. So I'm genuinely excited for this. I, I can't wait. Yeah, and, and in addition to this, we are, so I'm working now with the French Embassy here in New Delhi, and we are doing uh, this project, I'm in charge of the project of documenting the history of 20th century science between India and France, which is very nice. And uh, in that, we are also doing a nationwide exhibition and a planetarium show. So uh, hopefully, uh, if we don't get into the trap of COVID again, you'll see a very nice exhibition coming up in several um, metropolitan cities, including Hyderabad, Delhi, Calcutta, uh, Bombay, and Bangalore uh, uh, next year on history of science. And, uh, um, my next question was, do you have any future plans? And you answered that already. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, is there... I think um, what my future plan looks like is uh, uh, after this book on the new to nose goes to print, I would like to, you know, take a long break uh, and actually work 
uh, and something that's going on already, but not at the pace that I would like to. On a multi-volume work on the history of science of India post-independence. I mean, primarily 20th and the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So it would start with, uh, you know, somebody uh, like Father Lafon in Calcutta, who explored the Bengal school of thought in science. From there, it moves to Bangalore, Ahmedabad, Delhi, Chandigarh, Lucknow, Kodekanal, personal histories of people like Venubapu and Sarabhai and Bibal Sani. So it is a long project and I'm really excited about it. But I will, yeah, I'll do it at some point. That is something that I think would be, I mean, yeah, that is something that I look as my contribution to the country. I mean, uh, with the museums and the book and now this other book, I'm sure we're all inspired as well. So thank you for providing such a huge source of inspiration for all of us. So um, with this, we come to the end of today's session. Uh, this is On Air with said Celestia and thanks for tuning in to this live session. And thank you so much Pranav to for taking the time to be with us today. I mean, I'm sure, I hope you had as much fun giving us knowledge oh, as we had. A very refreshing dialogue. Uh, the okay. kind of future plans that I get asked are not the kind of future plans that I was asked on the interview. So I'm extremely happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much guys. It was lovely. It was lovely. We should do it again, you know. Thank you so much. Definitely. Certainly. Thank you, sir.